0: Hi there, I'm Travis, and this is the Wise That Podcast. Welcome back to the Wise That Podcast. I've had a fantastic couple of weeks. Since our last episode, the province of Ontario in Canada had their municipal election, and this Tuesday, the United States will have their midterm elections. In other words, it is a very exciting time for politics but a very bad time to be watching commercials on TV. Today's episode is going to focus on the why behind the day of the week for political elections. For instance, the United States always hold their federal elections on the Tuesday after the first Monday in November. Canada holds their federal election on the third Monday of October. And in the United Kingdom, it is held on the first Thursday of May. This always seemed fairly normal to me, and I never really questioned why, until I was browsing a Just History podcasts group on Facebook. In a post, one of the users expressed shock to learn that the United States had their election day on a weekday and marveled at how a country would hold their election on a day when most people have to work. This post got me thinking about it, and in that in turn got me researching it. Our episode today is the result. The Wikipedia article on Election Day has a list titled Election Day by Country, in which it lists the various countries in the world with the day that they usually host their election. I know that Wikipedia is not the most reliable source, but for something like this where it's just kind of a list, uh, it's usually fairly fine. By my count, this list has 68 countries represented. Of those 68 countries, an overwhelming majority hold their election on a Sunday. 48 out of 68, or 70.5% to be exact. Nine hold their elections on Saturdays, with one country usually holding on a weekend, but not having Saturday or Sunday as the designated day. So a grand total of 58 out of 68 countries have elections on a weekend, which makes those of us who cast our ballots on a weekday in the very small minority. South Korea has theirs on a Wednesday, but it is a national holiday, so their populace still gets the day off work. The final nine have three on Mondays, three on Tuesdays, and one each on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Tough to say which way is the most fair, has the best impact on voter turnout, or if the day even matters, but I thought the days of the week were pretty interesting. We will make one example from each of these three weekday groups to discuss their tradition and origin point for their election day. First, the United States. As mentioned earlier, the election is this Tuesday and is always scheduled for the Tuesday after the first Monday of November. Based on this rather specific date, you might think that the United States had this election date from the very beginning, but that would be incorrect. The first presidential election was held from Monday, december fifteenth, seventeen eighty eight. To Saturday, January 10, 1789. But the first Congress of the United States made the process a little more formal. In 1792, the legislative branch passed a law that allowed each state to conduct presidential elections at any point in the 34 days before the first Wednesday in December. The first Wednesday in December was the end date, as that was the day when the Electoral College met to cast their vote and decide the presidency. Therefore, the popular vote needed to have been completed prior to this. An election date in November or early December was deemed most preferable due to the agrarian nature of the economy and the weather of the early United States. The harvest would have been complete by November, but the most severe winter storms would have yet to begin. This seemed like a great system, and it allowed each individual state to hold some decision-making power for when in that time period would be the best for getting voter turnout to happen. Plus, due to the slow course of transportation and communication, it was not deemed to be that large of an issue to have elections on different days, since it was unlikely that people in Georgia would know about how people in New York voted, even if New York voted 30 days ahead of the Georgians. Two things in particular changed this perspective completely. In 1836, David Alter developed the first American electrical telegraph, and shortly after that, Samuel Morse improved the early models into an actual working model. By 1840, Morse had a patent, and on May twenty-fourth, 1844, Morse had transmitted his first message over a telegraph line that ran from Baltimore to Washington, D.C., thus opening the way for instantaneous communication. The second was the railroad. The first American railroad was built in Lewiston, New York in 1764, but the railway boom did not really begin until the late 1820s, early 1830s. In fact, the first regularly scheduled passenger services did not begin until May 24th, 1830. The 1830s to the 1860s then saw a large amount of railway building and growth as railways started to crisscross the nation. These two developments had a large impact not just on the daily life of Americans, but also on the philosophy around Election Day. The telegraph meant that as soon as electoral results were known, they would be available for the country to read. This made for elections that would no longer be fair as the elections toward the beginning of the election period would be disproportionately influential on determining the eventual results of the presidential elections. For a modern-day example of this type of disproportional influence, we have only to look at the United States presidential primary system, or the primary election. The primary election is the system that the two major U.S. parties use to determine their candidate for the presidency. Basically, all of the Democrats run against each other and all of the Republicans run against each other to determine who will receive the party nomination, with the winners running against each other in the eventual general election. The primaries typically start in February and run all the way into June. However, often by the time June rolls around, all the other candidates besides one have dropped out of the race and it has become clear who is going to win. This means that for these types of elections, striking early and getting the momentum is imperative for winning the nomination. This makes these states who hold the earliest elections the most important. The first two states in this system are Iowa and New Hampshire, two relatively small states in terms of population. The caucus and primary of Iowa and New Hampshire are often considered the most important elections for this system. Since 1980, the eventual nominee for both parties won either the Iowa caucus or The New Hampshire primary or both in all instances except for one. That is a record of fourteen out of fifteen, with the sole exception being Bill Clinton. This has a double impact because many candidates will drop out if they do not win one of the first two races. The largest criticisms of this system is that these two relatively small states who have six and four electoral votes in the general election have an outsized impact on who becomes the party nominations. As a contrast, the state of California boasts 55 electoral votes in the general election, but they are a very late state in the primary election season by not holding theirs until June. By the time June and the California election roll around, the leading candidate has usually already won enough votes to be selected, or every other candidate has dropped out of the race. This means that the largest state in the union by population has basically no say on who the parties nominate for the general election, while two of the smallest states have the largest impact. Imagine if this was the way it happened in the actual presidential election. People would riot. The railroads also helped speed up communication between communities with letters and passengers bearing news able to move around the country much faster. An even bigger worry, though, was the speed of the transportation of said people. In 1932, the Atlas of the Historical Geography of the United States wanted to highlight this change of speed and did so by creating maps that showed how long it would take to travel from New York City to various points in the country. In the year 1800, a trip from New York to southern Georgia would have taken approximately two weeks for eastern Georgia and approximately three weeks for western Georgia. In 1830, this time was trimmed to one week for both, and in 1857, it was just three days. To go to Illinois, it would have taken six weeks in 1800, three weeks in 1830. In three days by 1857. This was an absolutely monumental change and the fastest transportation had ever been up to this point in history. The other portion was that this fast transportation was also far cheaper than the old slow forms of transportation. How does fast and cheap transportation impact an election? Fast transportation by itself is great, but it was feared that as the speed continued to grow, that parties or organizations might use it to rig elections. Basically, you could gather a large group of people together and have them vote in one election and then transport them by train to the next state. If timed correctly, over the 34 days of the election, these people could have theoretically voted in multiple state elections. This obviously would have completely undermined the democracy. In 1845, the United States Congress determined that it was time to take action and ensure that democracy would remain fair. Through debate, it was determined that from that point forward, all state elections would be held on the same day, but which date? Sunday and Monday were thrown out because an election date could not occur on the Sabbath, and due to the distance of some communities and the county seat where elections would be held, travel sometimes had to occur the day before an election. No travel or elections could occur on the Christian Day of Rest worship due to the large christian communities of the day wednesday also would not work due to it being a market day which would have taken priority over an election due to these time constraints it was thought that tuesday made a lot of sense and back when the majority of people worked on farms rather than in office it probably did so why the tuesday following the first monday in november two reasons Remember that in 1792, the law stipulated that all elections occur within 34 days of the Electoral College meeting on the first Wednesday in December. The 1845 law aligned with this law as November 2nd to 8th will always fall within that time frame every single year. Why does it have to be after the first Monday? What is wrong with November 1st? Similar to the Sabbath reason, November 1st is All Saints Day which is a Catholic holy day of obligation. The congressmen of the time did not want to appear as though they were discriminating against the Catholics, so they had to avoid an election day on November 1st. There is also a legend that merchants balance their books on the first day of each month and that scheduling an election on that day would interfere with business. But whether this is fact or just legend is not really known. The reason that this election day continues is just that no one has ever felt the need to change the law-slash-tradition of voting on the Tuesday following the first Monday. This year, 14 different states have even classified it as a state holiday. I think that the other 36 states should probably get on board with that program. Although, many states have started to allow early and absentee voting measures, so there are still some ways to get the job done, even if you have to be stuck at your job all day. Second, we explore Canada. Canada's first federal election occurred in 1867, and similar to the United States, there was a range of dates for the various provinces to hold their elections. This one from August 7th to September 20th. If you want more Canadian history, then I did an episode back in July about how Canada received its name. The second federal election of Canada also used a range, with election 3 being the first date for a single election day for all districts. This was January 22nd, 1874 and occurred on a Thursday. After that, the election day bounced around to various weekdays without a fixed date. Federal elections in Canada are quite a bit different from those in the United States. In the United States, the state and federal elections are held on the same day. This means one can vote on both their state senator and their national senator on the same ballot. In Canada, these are separate events. The Canadian fixed date we have so far discussed are just the federal elections, and we will not really touch on most of the provincial or municipal elections. The other difference is that the United States operates with a strict election term system. A representative serves two years, a senator serves six years, and the president serves four. This allows elections to occur every two years in November, no matter what. In Canada, the terms are a little more complicated. Based on Section 4 of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, each parliament is able to serve up to five years after being elected. I do not want to start a whole discussion on the differences of parliament and congress, but one of those differences comes from the overall government configuration. In a parliamentary system, the executive is the prime minister and comes from the parliament. In a congressional system, the executive is the president and is elected directly by the populace. A parliamentary system also has a governor-general. One of the governor-general's powers is the ability to dissolve the parliament. Dissolution can happen for a few reasons, such as after a vote of no confidence, like the one that led to the 2011 Canadian general election, or if the prime minister requests one, like in the 2008 Canadian general election. In America, the Congress cannot be dissolved in this way. At most, a lockout will occur, but a lockout does not trigger a new election the way that a dissolution does. We will also encounter a parliamentary system with dissolutions in the United Kingdom. As you can imagine, if a parliament is dissolved in May, an election cannot very well wait until October. Additionally, parliament and the governor-general can still modify the date if they want to, even if no dissolution happens. So, fixed date is a fairly loose term here, if we're being honest. Fixed-date elections are a fairly recent phenomena in Canada. The first law relating to a fixed-date election did not occur until the year 2001 and only impacted provincial elections in the province of British Columbia. This law set elections to occur every four years with the election held on the second Tuesday of May. Last year, the provincial government modified this law to hold elections on the third Saturday in October every four years. This change was made to provide greater transparency and accountability to the government as the federal budget needs to be debated in February and year-end financial data is usually not available until July. After the BC law, the idea of fixed-date elections in Canada grew in popularity. Today, the only province that does not practice fixed-date elections is Nova Scotia. The 39th Canadian Parliament debated and eventually passed Bill C-16, an act to amend the Canada Elections Act and it would receive royal assent on May 3rd, 2007. The Prime Minister at the time was Stephen Harper, and he described the needs for the bill in the following words. Fixed election dates prevent governments from calling snap elections for short-term political advantage. They level the playing field for all parties, and the rules are clear for everybody. At the introduction of the bill, Harper did stress that the will of a majority in Parliament will always prevail due to the continued ability to call an election early. But fixed election dates stop leaders from trying to manipulate the calendar simply for partisan political advantage. The bill does make the specific indication that the elections must occur on a Monday or an alternate day than on a Tuesday, but in the debates I could not find a clear reason why these two days of the week were chosen. Seems to be mostly by tradition. That answers the Canada portion of our episode, and we will now proceed to the United Kingdom. The United Kingdom has a parliamentary system that has existed for far longer than the United Kingdom has. As you will remember from way back in episode 7, the United Kingdom formed in 1801 as the kingdoms and parliaments of Great Britain and Ireland merged into one. The Parliament of Great Britain was formed in 1707 when England and Scotland passed their Acts of Union. The Parliament of England was formed or developed out of the Royal Council that was formed by the Magna Carta in 1215. As you might imagine, a parliament that has its genesis over 800 years ago has a lot of precedent and tradition. One of those traditions is the day of the week that the election is held, Thursday. As it currently stands, many of the details uh, for the Canadian system also apply to the UK, given that the United Kingdom was basically the template. Since 1911, a parliament has had a maximum term of five years, but it is able to be dissolved prior to this by the monarch. This dissolution would then cause a general election to be held within a certain number of days. The most recent change, and the one that gave us our current fixed-date election, was the Fixed-Term Parliaments Act of 2011. This act received royal assent on September 15, 2011 and introduce fixed term elections to the parliament for the first time the act has a provision that holds that parliamentary general elections must be held every five years beginning in 2015 and sets the date of those elections as the first thursday in may of the fifth year after the previous general election before this act the elections still traditionally fell on a thursday as the last time an election was on a different date was the general election of 1931. Single-day elections in the United Kingdom have only been a custom for about a hundred years with the first one occurring for the general election of 1918. For the record, that occurred on Saturday, December 14th, 1918. Before this, like in other countries, the polls were open over several days depending on jurisdiction. It is unknown exactly why Thursday was the day since the general election of 1935, but there are a few theories. The top theory that I have found is that holding the election on a Thursday was the best day to avoid outspoken influence on the general masses. If elections were held on a Sunday or a Monday, then the average Christian British person would go to church on Sunday and be subjected to sermons that might change the opinion of those in the mass, as the free church ministers generally skewed liberal during the 1920s and 30s. Friday or Saturday were just as bad because Friday was the biggest day for drinking in the pubs as it was payday and the start of the weekend. The brewing interests who opened the pubs skewed conservative in the 1920s and 30s and thus might have cause to try to influence their drunk patrons. So Thursday was chosen as it was the farthest away from these two potential corruptive influences. Plus, as it was the day before payday, everyone was so broke they had nothing better to do than cast a ballot. Another theory, and I might guess more likely, is that having an election on a Thursday would create the least disruption to normal business. Basically, election on Thursday, results on Friday, and then through the weekend the old prime minister can move out while the new one moves in. By Monday morning, the government is ready to resume the business at hand. A nice, smooth transition of power. The third most popular theory I found was that Thursday was traditional market days, so people would have already been in town. I don't like this one as much, not because it disagrees with the reasons for the U.S. election day, but because the election that started the Thursday tradition was Thursday, November fourteenth, 1935. That is well into our modern industrial age, and far more people would have worked in factories than on the farm, so market day would not have had near the impact in 1935, as it would have even 100 years earlier. The exact reason why Thursday stuck around after the 1935 election is slightly a mystery. It was more formalized in 2011, and presumably, even if the month of the election changes due to a dissolution, the election will still occur on a Thursday. In other words, for all three countries, the day of the week seems a little arbitrary, but has status due to tradition. I would expect that, except for maybe Canada, these days of the week are unlikely to change during our lifetime. That does it for this week. Thank you all so much for tuning in, and I sure do hope you learned something. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app, whether that be ACAST, Podcast Republic, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, or we are recently added to Spotify, so pretty much anywhere podcasts are streamed. Most of these podcast apps have a built-in rating system that are used to rank podcasts for others to find. To rate a podcast takes only about three clicks. If you take the time to rate this show, I would be very appreciative, and if you take the additional time to write a review, I sure would owe you one. So think about it. You can always connect with the show online at whyisthatpodcast.blogspot.com on social media at whyisthatpod, or by email at whyisthatpod@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Okay, thank you for listening to today's episode of the Why Is That podcast. Until next time, cheers.